And so Paul is confronted with this issue. And he's, remember the Corinth, the Corinthian Christians were fairly young and still growing in their faith. And remember, some of them had come from pretty seedy backgrounds. And just imagine the promises that had been told them in the past and they've all been broken. And now they're following, trying to follow Jesus and they have this leader who they think is you know, up and down, yes and no. No, he's not. So as we look at this, we see Paul is accused of breaking his promise, which it didn't happen. Uh, we see that Paul tries to, and he writes this letter in, in, in the first chapter of 2 Corinthians, explaining the whole situation. And I love Paul. He doesn't react to them. He doesn't fight fire with fire. He doesn't fire back. He doesn't try and say, well, you know, he just gives them explanation. He says, I want you to know uh, that my yes is always yes and my no will always be no. It's not like I say yes and really thinking I won't do that. He says, I, don't want, I want you to see it's not breaking the promise. And for that matter, I want you to see God is always yes when he gives us a promise in his word. Aren't you glad about that? Paul doesn't react. He doesn't respond the way that they responded to him. I love Paul's reaction. He just lays the facts down. He tries to help them understand. And he tries to bring them through. It's a growing time for the Corinthian church, isn't it? It's a time of growth and understanding. And uh, Paul uh, is a great example. See, Paul talks about in this verse, he says, the many promises of God are yes. The many promises of God. Do you know there's a bunch of promises in God's word that are for you this morning? You don't need to have a revelation. You just need to read it and receive it. Because, you know, if I was just to name a couple, he promises the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. He promises the fulfillment of eternal life in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He promises resurrection life from the dead if you're a believer in Christ in John 5. He promises forgiveness of sins in 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. He promises the peace of God in Philippians 4. And he promises the joy of God's presence in John 16. I'll tell you what, we have a good God and the promises are sure and true. And you may say, but all those promises are about, you know, about who we are, not what we do. Well, that's true because more importantly of what you do in the external world that you live in is more importantly is your inner world and God's promises to your inner worlds, to your inner world, the promises of God. He even makes promises about his promises. <laughs> he says in Numbers 23, he absolutely is trustworthy. He says his promises are trustworthy. Because he says in Numbers, God is not human that he would lie, nor a human being that he should change his mind. Aren't you glad God doesn't change his mind? I've made some mistakes and changed my mind. You've probably done this thing too. Paul, Paul didn't have to change his mind. Circumstances forced him into the situation of not going back the second time to Corinth. But, you know, God does never change his mind. Wow, that's pretty solid, isn't it? The wonderful thing about God is he is unchanging. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. It says, I am the Lord and I do not change, not just my mind, but nothing changes solid. I love it when he says he has the power to fulfill his promise. In Romans 4, 21, it says, being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he had promised. Please receive that. He has the power to do what he has promised. And then we see another verse. He says he's faithful in keeping his promises. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. Now those are just things I've read to you today. And maybe they don't necessarily resonate. But I pray that one day when you read his word, you may read that. And it may, oh, I just need that right now. 
the promise. So the more you read, the more you know, the more you understand, and the more promises you can have in your heart. Why do we need the promises of God? Why do we need God's word in the promises of God? Well, I was thinking about that question. I thought, God, let's just get down to the you know, grassroots of this question. Why? And I come up with this because even though we live in a society that is like the shifting sand in relation to the rights and wrongs, would you agree? We live in a world today that the right and wrong, what was right 50 years ago is wrong today. That's what, not what I've said, not what God's Word says. That's what the world says. And what is wrong 50 years ago is right today. So we live in a world of shifting sand, but on that beach is a rock, and it's called Jesus Christ. He's unshiftable. That's because that's the kind of world we live in, but Christ is unshiftable. God is unchanging. Why do we need the promises of God? Because even though we live in a body, it doesn't always cooperate. And we get old, and we have some ailments. But the God who promised us that he says, you know, your inner person can be renewed daily with joy and peace. My outer body may get deteriorate. My inner man can be renewed. One day, it's going to get so good, he's just going to take us to heaven. That's called death. Don't worry. It's just a transition between now and there. Amen. Why do we need the promises of God? Because even though the world can dish up some circumstances that are cruel and are ever-changing, um, he isn't. He isn't ever-changing. And his promises are like the longitude and latitude and points on the um, unseen points on the maps of this world. They'll never change. The last time I looked at, there was still the Tropic of Capricorn was just on the outskirts of Rockhampton. It hasn't changed in centuries, has it? So God's like that. God's like that. He is unchanging. He, maybe you can't see those points, but they're unchanging. God is unchanging. I reckon that's something that you could submit your life to. Anybody agree this morning? Come on. So sometimes I want to say in saying all of that is that sometimes we find things shift and it seems like the promise has changed. It seems like, God, where are you? It seems like, I'm going through this, but the truth is, uh, it, it seems like, is your promise still applicable, God? W what's happening? And I want to talk to you today about the process of promise. Come on, I just need you to just get that in your head. Can you say that with me? The process of promise. Let me talk about it with you today. Let me share about the process of the promise. Um, in 1990 uh, uh, was the last year that I worked as, um, in secular work. In 1991, I started as a pastor here, as a youth pastor, an assistant pastor. And uh, in 1990, uh, there were some things leading up to 1991 that really kind of showed us that 1991 is going to be our breakout year. Some great things are going to happen. Michelle fell pregnant in about September of 90, our first child in 1990. She's going to be born in May of 1991. That was going to be exciting. Actually, that was at the top of our list. First child is always exciting, isn't it? For some of us, I understand that's not always the case. I might know that, but that was, uh, that was we thought, uh, that was great. The second thing was that we were then uh, received by this church um, as um, youth pastors, and we were going to the church, said, well, you're working, we've, you've worked so long part-time, how about you just come over and, we'll, um, and you can become a full-time staff member? And I thought, that's exciting. That, that's part of what we would see for ourselves, what we believe God has called us. He's given us some promises on that. He'll be with us and, and he'll, he'll see us through. So we were pretty excited about that. 1991 was another significant year because it was the first time that I paid off my house, my mortgage of my house. That's always a good year, isn't it? Uh, you might say, how did you do that at 28? Easy. 
only bought a box on stilts that cost 36000 It was really easy to pay it off in eight years, you know. It's a bit more difficult these days, isn't it? So 1991 was going to be the breakout year. Everything was looking sweet. Everything was looking exciting. House paid off. Uh, Michelle, first child, uh, new job, serving the Lord. That's exciting. And then in probably December, I think just before the turn of the year, something happened that came, brought it all crashing down. And, and just for a moment, and what crashed down around us was uh, we received a bad report in regards to this precious little child in Michelle's womb. And some of you know the story, so I won't try and give you the whole story but just very quickly the blood test indicated something wasn't right with this child the scan indicated it definitely wasn't right and the gynecologist sat us in his office and in very uh, in the short side of the story is this your child has a strong um, possibility of disability either a down syndrome or spina bifida or something else i've forgotten you know but at the time i think i'd kind of blanked out by the time he got to the third thing that he was saying because i was thinking this was not in the plan this was not in the schedule. This is not in the promise, God. I thought you'd promise that you're going to look after us, never leave us nor forsake us, you know? And all these things unfolded. And so uh, we had this. The, the thing I want to first of all share with you is, first of all, what we do with the promise is we get the reveal of the promise. Isn't that true? We get the reveal of the promise. We get the day of joy, the day of happiness. It's going to be a breakout moment. It's going to be exciting. We get something of a revelation of God's promise in his word. Or maybe you're just reading God's word and you find all these promises and there's no great light turned on, but you just say, that's for me. So we get that reveal of the promise. Who knows what I'm talking about? Hey, that's exciting. That's for me. Um, Andrew spoke about it this morning. You know, He had a, a revelation moment uh, that... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's that moment when you read God's word and you get the reveal, the promise revealed to you. And then the second step that happens sometimes in the process of promise is you get the reverse of the promise. And as I sat in the doctor's office, that was my reverse. It's like, God, just wait a second. This is not supposed to happen. This is not on the schedule. This is not in the promise. Um, this is... And, out of the three things that were going to happen that were really positive in 1991, that was probably at the top of the list that really hit us the hardest. Our child is going to be like that. So we went home, and for a week, we're a little bit walking around numb, I suppose. God, this is going to happen to us. And so we started to dig into God and, and, and draw from his word, and we'll talk about what happened later on. I want to just talk about the reality is sometimes you understand what I'm talking you get the reveal of a promise. The promise is revealed. The word of God is encouraging us. We read something that's really blessed us. We have it in our hearts. And then it seems like there's a reverse of the promise that's just been spoken of our lives. And you know, the divorce was never meant to happen. That wasn't in the schedule. The hard time, the temptation, the struggle. I don't know what it could be. Maybe the sickness. Maybe the death was never meant, never scheduled. And our schedule anyway. God, what's happened? It was never the rejection was never in our schedule. And we think, God, is is it reversed? What's happening? Everything seems to be going away from the very thing that you thought that you were moving towards in life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, one Corinthians one. Paul had the sincerest of motives see the Corinthian church twice. Once on the way to Macedonia, once on the way back. It didn't happen. Circumstances forced him to not only go once and not twice. The Corinthian church gets upset with him. They start to spread rumors about him and his gossip. 
about him and say even the, the message that he's preached about Jesus is false. All this type of thing started to happen. And, you know, Paul, I love his response. As I said before, he doesn't fire back. He just wrote this letter to helping them understand that the circumstances that he had to face had made him have to change his plans. You know, Paul could have said to God, God, this wasn't in the job profile. You know, the very people I've been helping in the church I planted has now given it to me. They're abusing me. They're judging me on this level of what they think I've done wrong when I haven't meant that at all. Paul didn't fire back. He could have said, you know, I do your work, God, and I get abused for doing it. You know, I, 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 I try my best, and yet I, I face these difficulties. God, you know, what happened in Acts chapter 9, God? Remember the, you know, when... You know, when you called me into ministry, God, in Acts chapter 9, and, um, and you said that I would preach the message to the Gentiles, that's the non-Jewish people. Peter would look after the Jews. I'd, I'd preach to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish. You told me, you gave me this call, and I've been doing it faithfully, and we've planted all these churches that you saw all over the Mediterranean area. And God, now I get abused because I'm doing your will. God, can you just check your schedule? Because it looks like it's reversed at the moment. And And... and, and and if we're going to talk about what they're talking in the gossip about me, how about we talk about that stoning the other day? I didn't enjoy that, God. You stoned me as well. I mean, God didn't stone me. You, these people stoned me. I didn't enjoy that. And if we're going to talk about that, the whipping wasn't on my agenda either, God. Was it on yours? Because it seems like the promise that you gave me has been completely reversed and what you uh, had for my plan in my life. What's happening, God? If you haven't asked those questions in life, you're welcome to because God listens to questions. Because sometimes we get the reveal of the promise, we get the hope of the promise, and then we see there's a reverse seems to come sometimes of the promise. The reverse seems to come. You know, um, the truth is when God called Paul, he not only said, you will be a, a, a preacher to the Gentiles, and you will establish church. The promise was brilliant. But this next verse in Acts 9 actually says this. And I will show you what you will suffer for me. And you know, Paul could have said, well, God, you said that about what I will suffer for you. I thought it might miss a meal or two. I thought I might have to sleep out in the open a night or two. I'm willing to handle that. But when, you know, you get whipped and you get stoned and you get abused for serving you, God, that, that, I'm not quite sure about that schedule. That was pretty difficult. You know, what's on your schedule? It seems like it's been reversed. The promise was good, but it seems like we're going backwards. There's times in our lives when we feel that. There's times when we feel, Father, what's really happening? None of these things were on my schedule. God, what's happening? See, there was a young man called Joseph, and Joseph was a, he was one of 12 brothers. He was the second youngest. And you know this story, but let me give you the short version. He had a dream. He had a promise from God. He's going to be in a great a ruler. He's going to have authority over other people, and he was going to be used of God. He finds himself in a pit. His brothers have thrown him there. They're jealous of him because, you know, he was a favorite of his father's, and they're throwing him in a pit, and they're arguing at the top of the pit. Let's kill him. No, let's just sell him. No, let's kill him. No, sell him into slavery. Let's kill him. Sell him into slavery. Oh, look, here's some slave traders. Oh, well, let's sell him. So they sell him. He goes to Egypt. He's bought by a guy called Potiphar, who was in, um, of course, um, Pharaoh's court. And uh, in Potiphar's home, he flourishes. And, you know, we had, Joseph probably had every right to think the reality is, oh, the dream's coming to pass now, because 
Potiphar put him in charge of all his household. Potiphar didn't have to look after anything. Joseph did it. Joseph did it. Everything was looked after. And so we see that, we see that um, Joseph is thinking, my dream is coming to pass. My dream is going to be fulfilled now. I'm going to be, you know, this is my, my, even though I'm a slave and a servant, this is my diving board, my platform for the next level, the dream coming to pass. And then we see that Potiphar spent too long away from home. His wife decided that if, if, he, if the husband wasn't around, I can little canoodle with Joseph on the side. No one will know. So she kind of asked Joseph to sleep with her. And Joseph says, uh, no. She gets upset. She accuses him of rape. Potiphar comes home. Can't do anything else but throw him in jail. Now, where is his dream gone? He thought, I thought we were going strong here, God. And now it seems like we're reversed. So Joseph is in jail. But wouldn't you believe it? The jailer sees the really good qualities in Joseph and puts him in charge of everything in the jail. The jailer didn't have to do anything. Joseph did it all. Joseph's thinking, oh, I got it now, God. You put me here. This is my platform to fulfill the promise. And then a man gets put in jail who's close to Pharaoh himself. And, and Joseph says, hey, when you get out of jail, you'll be reinstated because Joseph can interpret the dream that this guy had. You'll be reinstated in your position in Pharaoh's court. Would you remember me? The guy gets out, like, just like Joseph said, gets reinstated into Pharaoh's court, and of course, he forgets about Joseph. Joseph had already been there several years in jail, and he spends another two he's forgotten about. Joseph's like, God, I thought this was the place you were going to launch me into my career, into the promise, into the future, and then it seems like it's re... Come on, are you there? It seems like it's it reversed. Joseph finally fulfills the call and becomes second in charge of all of Egypt. And you can read the story in Genesis, end of Genesis. Isn't it interesting? Can you identify? Some of us identify. It seems like we've got this promise, and yet it seems to be we're in reverse. Is there a first gear in this car again, you wonder? Is there a forward motion we're going to take? There's a guy called Gideon, Old Testament character. There's a, he's part of Israel, and these these whole army of these people called the Midianites, they're coming in and they're destroying and taking and plundering all the time, their crops. Gideon finds himself, you know, trying to just thresh wheat in a wine press, trying to get away from the Midianites. He's trying to hide to get some food for his family. God turns up and says, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor and you're going to take the Midianites out. And Gideon says, I'm the least of the least. And we see God says, no, you're not. I'm going to be with you and I'm going to help you. And Gideon says, that's fine, but I've only got 30,000 men to do it with. They got over 100,000. How am I going to do that? And God says, yeah, about that. 30,000. And Gideon's, yes, is too many. How about 300? Gideon says, you're ridiculous, God. He says, no, I'm not. I'm going to be with you. Gideon takes the whole army out with 300 men. Over 100,000 men get destroyed, and Gideon does it with 300. That's a God moment. It must have seemed like to Gideon that to re reduce it from 30,000 to 300 men was a reversing moment of the promise that God had given him that you're going to take it up. But it wasn't a reverse. It was just a fulfillment of the promise. I want you to understand something this morning. After you have the reveal of the promise, you have the reverse of the promise. You have the rebuild of the promise. It's the time to rebuild. And all the reversing of the promise that seems to happen in your life 
It's just preparing you for the time of rebuilding. It's the process of the promise. It's the rebuild of the promise. I love this part. God allows the reversal of the promise to see how much the promise has you. To see how much you believe in what you believe. To see whether you're really going to trust him. To see whether you're really going to walk with your God or you're going to say, well, this is the way you treat me, God. See you later. Now, does God do it to us? No. Did he allow it to happen? Yes. But he doesn't. He's a good God. But so often things, sometimes we do it to ourselves. We reverse the promise ourselves. We get involved in all types of stuff we should not be involved in, and it doesn't help our life in one little bit. So, are you, so what God's saying is, I want to rebuild your life. I'm willing to pay. Are you willing to pay the price for the promise? Is the promise um, from Whatever God's got for you, is it worth the pain? Is it worth the rejection? Is it worth the hostility? Is it worth the responsibility? Are you willing to take up the promise and hang on to it no matter what happens in the circumstances that surround you, even though they seem to be reversing you up back down the street, you're going to say, I'm going to hang on to the promise and the truth. Am I going to allow God uh, to rebuild? Because we've got it. Because what we want the promise. We want it with the icing we want it with the fluffy pillows. We want it with the nice food. We want it with. God says, I want to give you the promise. I want to give you the promise, but you want it with. I just want to give you the promise. Sometimes we want it with this and with that and say, God, I'm not going to accept the promise until it really is nice. Package for me. God says, I want to give you the promise. The promise will never change. Thank you. The promise will never change. The circumstances will, but the promise will always be what? Yes. Come on, together, it'll always be yes. It'll always be yes. The promises of God for our lives. Sometimes, you know, maybe you hear this morning and say, well, I don't really know any promises. That's okay. You've got time to read God's word and find out the promises he has for you. You've got the truth. God wants to reveal it. God wants to give you. He wants us to feel the strain of the responsibility so we respect the promise. You know, I, I, I've come to understand that in training little, little ones and training our children and training my, my family as they grow up, that, you know, if I gave them what they wanted straight away, they really never respected it or appreciated it. But, you know, often we say, yeah, that's a good thing that you want. I, I understand your request, but it won't happen now because that costs some money. How about you do some chores, earn some money, and you feel the responsibility of what you're about to receive. Now, I didn't give a two-year-old it in those words. They would have gone, what? But that was basically what I was saying as a dad. And, you know, I think God, you've got to understand, God loves us too much to make us, make us totally, what's the word? Totally, totally just spoilt. He says, you know, I want you to feel the strain and the responsibility because I've only discovered that I appreciate things when I've actually felt the responsibility of what I'm about to receive. I've only ever really appreciated what God's given me when I've sometimes had to work through the issues. And the process allows me to do that so I can receive what God has for me. Do you know what? You're not going to die. You're here this morning. Here's a word for you. You won't die. You're just going through the process. Come on, you may feel like everything's reversed today. You're just going through the process. God wants to build something into your life. You know why? Because he's just taking through the process 
of the promise. You can't receive without uh, you know, the process. Here's this last thought we'll finish. It says in the scripture, notice it says, And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What's that all about? The word amen means so let it be. Remember the song the Beatles wrote? Let it be, let it be. I don't know them. I've forgotten the melody. And you know, speaking words of comfort, let it be, let it... Where's it go down? Be, whatever. You know, he should have said amen. But the Beatles weren't into amen because they talk about Mary Mother. Is that what it is? Mary Mother, come to me, speaking words of comfort. What? Wisdom, words of wisdom, let it be. You know, look, the reality is, don't worry about the song, but I'm just trying to pinpoint the reality of the truth. Um, the Beatles were onto something, even though the song wasn't theologically correct. Um, amen, let it be. You know what we've got to do? It's spoken by who? Who's it spoken by? Us. Do you know you've got to, God's promises are interactive. You've got to reach out and take a hold of them and apply them to your life. You've got to, you know, how do you do that? By believing in them. Well, start reading them, believing them, saying, God, thank you for them. I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to receive the promise. No matter how hard it is, I'm going to let faith rise in me. When I see, read something, I'm going to take that a hold in my life. I'm going to be the so let it be of your promises, God. I'm the one who's going to have to take it up. Because, you know, as Christians, we can sit there and never receive anything. Never receive it. But if you interact with the promise and say, yep. I'm going to receive that. I'm going to take it on. And you believe it, you read it, you receive it. I mean, watch what God can do. Watch what God can do. In the pro- and then in the process, continue to hang on. That's what the Bible calls endurance. Continue to hang on in the process. You get the reveal, that's the happy days. You get the reverse, that's the down days. You get the rebuild, that's the difficult days. But it's going to happen if you would hang on to it. Amen. Amen. Can we have the team? Are they there? There's one thing that I discovered in the midst of Michelle's pregnancy that I had to continually every day get up uh, every day and engage in his continual trust walk with him every day. Every day. In the midst of the pregnancy, I had to trust him every day. Because it says um, uh, every day. It doesn't say there. But there's a verse in the Bible that David says this. David says in Psalm 27, verse 4, This one thing I ask from the Lord, this only one do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, every day, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. What was David's request? David's request was, God, may I be in your presence every day? Because when I'm in your presence, I can handle the process. When I'm in your presence, I can handle the reverse When I'm in your presence, God, or when I know that you're close, I can handle the days. When I'm going to be chased around the desert, this is David's testimony, 10 years after, because a murderous father-in-law, talk about bad in-laws, David had a bad in-law. His father-in-law wanted him dead, chased him for 10 years. David had a promise at the age of 16 that he would be a king of Israel. That didn't come to pass for decades or more. And yet David said, this one thing I want, that God would give me my position and my dream and my goal and my promise, and I want that, my throne, which is mine. God said, no, David said, this one thing I want, not the throne, I just want to walk in the presence of God all the days of my life. You know why? Because he knew God's presence is God's power, is God's uh, helping through the process. 
God's presence. Are you in a process today? Is there things that are happening that is, it looks like it's reversing and it, you know, the divorce and the, and the trial and the rejection, it wasn't on the schedule in your mind? And it isn't on God's. It's just that it, things are unfolding that way and God's allowing it in a sense so that there may be the coming through, the strengthening, the rebuilding your life. Can we stand this morning as we close? This morning, I just, if you're here this morning, I just say, yep, I feel the strain of that process. In actual fact, to be on, really honest with you, church, there's never a time when I haven't felt like I've been through, the, I'm going through the process. Because there's always stuff to be dealt with in my life. Um, I, I don't think I'm the only person this morning. There's always something. Now, there's, there's I'm not like, well, woe is me, you know. Um, but the reality is, is that you learn to live life in the process, knowing that there's a greater joy in looking and gazing upon our Lord Jesus Christ and our Savior than gazing upon the problem and the struggle all the time and, and seeing that he is our hope and our future. And while I don't know the future, I can know the one who holds the future. And he'll bring me through the process because not only is he yesterday, he's today with me, but he's in my future as well tomorrow. And so he's going to bring me through. And if I attach myself to him, he's going to bring me through. If I attach myself to anything else, it's not going to take me where he wants me to go. I need to connect with him. So today, if you know that there's a process unfolding and it's like a reverse I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes today. I want you to lift your hands to hand to him. And I just want to pray for you where you are today. And I want you to be honest with him. Lift your hand and say, include me in this prayer today. Just a general prayer I want to pray, but I want God's power, God's strength to touch lives today. To be real. Father, today, I just thank you for every person with their hands raised. I thank you, Father God, that um, you are a God of, uh, that is good, that hasn't changed. It's just that we live in a world that's not so good. And the world puts us through its process. And, and, and I know that you love us and you allow that sometimes to happen. But I pray today for a strengthening of these precious lives that today raise their hand and say, God, I, I need you. And help me to trust you. Help me to trust the promise. Help me to trust you in the midst of what I face. Help me, Lord, to realize that your promise to me today is that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. As I stay close to you, you're always there. Help me to realize today, God, that God, you've, um, that Father, that you are greater in me than anything else that this world throws at me. Help me to realize today that your promise says that you will make me actually more than a conqueror. That's my destiny. That's my future. A conquering spirit, a conquering heart. Over the enemy and over the things that want to pull me down. I take a hold of your promise this morning. It's not fake, Lord. It's not hyper faith this morning. It's just reality of what your promise says about us. Father, I thank you. Father, we take a hold of your truth. We thank you for your presence. And I pray that, Lord, that you're in our future as well. So, Lord, we say today, pull us through to that future that you've got. Help us to trust you in that, Lord. Help us to be ever so aware of you every day, every day of our lives, engaging with you so that, Lord, that we could stay close and you could stay close to us. So, Father, we commit ourselves to you this day. And we give you all the honor and all the praise. 
in the name of Jesus. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's just worship just for a moment this morning, this song, and give Him honor and glory. Thank you, Lord. Peace be.